The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello, everybody. It's Friday. I'm Pastor Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, sometimes I think we make too much of ourselves when it comes to the great things that God wants us to do. We think we need to be super spiritual people or maybe just more spiritual than we are right now. The reality is the Bible is full of examples of people who were simply chosen, they said yes, and God did great things. It wasn't how great the people were, it wasn't how gifted the people were, it was about the fact that God chose them and they said yes. Today we're going to talk about saying yes to God even when we're not qualified for the task. so glad you could listen to today's show right here on KCIS, the AM dial. Do you know that KCIS also runs KCMS 105.3? I'd love to have the show on KCMS, but they do music, so I'd have to sing the whole show, and that'd be awkward. Hey, I'm so glad you uh, joined us today. Uh, if you'd like to text the show at any time, you can do that. Here's the number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. I'm going to say it three times because that's what you do on radio. 360-818-4513. Uh, today, I'd like to talk about how insignificant you and I are and how that's okay when it comes to God using us. It's not that we're insignificant. We're important in God's eyes. God cares about us. But our giftings, our talents, our strengths... They're not that important when it comes to God using us. In fact, God doesn't need super-Christians in order to advance the kingdom. He just needs willing vessels. In fact, in my opinion, and I think you could back me up on this, some of the worst leaders you've ever met are people who think they're pretty special. You know what I'm talking about. People who are like, you know, I got this figured out. I'm pretty special. I'm the one who needs to lead this thing. That's not a good attitude to have when it comes to advancing the kingdom of God. In fact, I don't think that's a good attitude to have when it comes to any leadership position. I would never vote for or follow any person who's incredibly arrogant. I think arrogance is an antichrist spirit, but that's another story. The reality here is sometimes we wait to do what God has called us to do because we don't feel like we're qualified for the task at hand. And I was thinking about a scripture that I think we downplay too much or we miss the importance of. In fact, I think scholars miss, um, they, I don't want to say belittle, but I think they really minimize the importance of the scripture. Uh, I've been reading through Acts with our church, and we're going to be going through Acts, so you might be hearing a few messages on Acts if you listen to uh, this show. But uh, I was reading the beginning of Acts that after Jesus ascends uh, to be with the Father, he says, you know, wait uh, to be clothed with power from on high. And so we know in Acts 2 that the disciples and, and those gathered, there's like 120 people actually who are gathered, they are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered with the Holy Spirit. But before that, there's this story where Peter stands up among uh, the brethren and he's the leader there. He just had kind of become the leader. And uh, Peter announces, uh, Judas has opted out 
of being one of the twelve, that Jesus appointed twelve, and Judas not only betrayed Jesus, but Judas opted out of his position of being one of the twelve, which is an interesting concept there, that if Judas had not killed himself, if Judas had not opted out, there, there could have been a restoration plan there, but Judas had decided to withdraw from that position. And the disciples knew that they were supposed to wait to be clothed with power from on high, and they knew that while Jesus was present, he worked with 12 disciples. And they understood the significance of 12, that 12 probably represented the the 12 tribes of Israel, and that it was important to have 12 disciples or 12 apostles. And Jesus, at, uh, at the beginning even of Acts, Acts says, you know, in my first book, the author of Acts says, I... I wrote about what Jesus began to do and to say. And so they understood that they were supposed to wait because Jesus was going to continue to do stuff and to say stuff amongst them. So just as Jesus ministered with 12 disciples while he was on earth, now that he had ascended to the Father, they assumed that he was still going to minister through the 12, that he was going to empower the 12. So instead of waiting for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they decided to appoint one person to take the place of Judas. So if you ask the disciples, um, tell us who the 12 disciples were, they would have included in their list, not Judas, but they would have included the man they picked in this scripture. Which is interesting because if you probably asked anyone, you know, if I asked you this or you asked me this, we probably would list the original 12. But that's not the 12 they would have listed. If you said, who are the 12 apostles? Who are the 12 disciples? They would have listed this list. And so here you see this uh, passage, and I'll just read it a little bit of it. Acts 1, uh, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. And then it lists uh, the disciples, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the company, the company of about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry." Now this man acquired a field with the reward of wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst upon in the middle of all his and the middle of all his bowels gushed out. It says that Judas hanged himself in a, in another scripture. So at some level, he he hung himself, and then either they cut him down, and he fell down into the rocks, and his bowels split out, or or he the rope didn't hold. You know whatever the issue is. Um, this is what happened to him. In verse 19, it says, And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that the field was called, in their own language, a kildama, that is, filled of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his place. So we'll go to verse 21 here. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to this resurrection, to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias, and they prayed, excuse me, so they put forward Justice and they put forward Matthias. 
And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So here you have uh, two men that are put forward, and they cast lots. Now, I've seen scholars do this. Matthias becomes the twelfth apostle. And by the way, that's the last you hear of Matthias. You never hear of him again. This is the only time you hear of him. He's the twelfth apostle, and he disappears from Scripture. He disappears from history. You might run into him in heaven, but that's it. That's the last you hear of him. Uh, of the other man mentioned, Justice, uh, he's mentioned uh, a, a couple other times in Scripture. But they draw lots, or they cast lots, and lots could occur in different ways. Sometimes they would put like the name of someone on a rock, and they would pick out of the rock, and that would be the person that they'd pick. Uh, casting lots was something they did quite a bit in the Old Testament. When they divided the land for the children of Israel, they cast lots to see who got what land. It was a way to say, you know, uh, we don't, we're going to just trust God that whatever we pick here, it's okay. So, you know, we'll put each tribe's name in there, and you get that land, you get this land, and God will be sovereign. Now, some people, when they see the scripture, they see it as a sign, well, the disciples were ignorant, they weren't full of the Holy Spirit, they didn't have the leading of the Holy Spirit, so they cast lots. Because after this, no one ever cast lots again, then they did things on the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't think this is an appropriate reading of the scripture. I think the disciples were being incredibly humble, and they were understanding their role and the role of the Holy Spirit. The disciples understood that they were not impressive people. They understood that they weren't super important people. They weren't super heroic people. They were just people who had been chosen by God. What made them special was the fact that they had been chosen by God. And what was going to make them special is that they were going to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the people who were special. It was the God who chose them that was special. And so they did something very appropriate and very humble. They picked two people who had been with them since Jesus was baptized. They made sure, you know, they were at least followers of Jesus. And then they just chose lots because it didn't matter whether it was one or the other. It didn't matter. They didn't need a super spiritual person. They didn't need Peter to say, hey, Peter, you pick the most super spiritual person amongst us because it's really important who fills this role. Instead, it was like, no, we just need to pick someone, someone who's a believer. That's all we need, someone who's a believer who's been with us from the beginning, because what is going to make this person important? Not that they're a super spiritual person. What is going to make them important is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. What has made us important is that God called us and chose us and empowered us. That's what made the disciples important, and that's what makes us important. It's not that we're super spiritual people. It's that we're called and we're willing to say yes. I'm going to talk more about this and give you my testimony about being called and being willing to say yes. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I'd love it if you text me, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Uh, we cannot stay on the air with the current giving. I, I'm just being honest here. I don't like to lie to people. I need more people to donate for this radio show to stay on the air. So if you like the show, you like listening to us on Fridays on the radio, or if you'd like us to expand into other markets, uh, right now, just to stay on this market, we need people to donate. So go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate. $25, $50, $100, any donation will keep this show going. We are a month-to-month -month show. That's how we roll here. 
go to fairlyspiritual.org. Okay? Your support matters greatly. And please pick up my book, The Community of God. That's another great way to support this ministry. The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can pick that up. Okay, so... um, I just wanted to get at this, that this story in the beginning of Acts, sometimes people say, you know, this is just what people do when they're not led by the Holy Spirit. They draw lots and they pick the next disciple, and this is a sign they weren't doing things right. But once they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, they do these amazing things. I don't think that's the right way to look at this. I think the disciples were being incredibly humble. And if you just joined us, you know, Judas had had basically, he had rejected, not just basically, he had rejected his calling as being a disciple. He had rejected God. And then he had committed suicide and rejected his calling as being an apostle. But the disciples were, were said basically, nope, there's supposed to be 12 apostles, there's supposed to be 12 disciples. And it's not about the people. It wasn't about how important Judas is, and it's not about how important Peter is, and it's not about how important John is. It's how important God is. And it's what God does when someone yields and surrenders to God. So they take this 12th position. And they find two people who'd been with them since Jesus was baptized. And they draw lots and they just pick one. And they get the 12th disciple, Matthias. And we never hear about him again. And I just love this fact. This 12th disciple we never hear about again. He was just someone who was willing to say yes. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2, Matthias received the fullness of the Holy Spirit like everyone else. He received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He was empowered like everyone else. He was just as spiritual as everyone else. He was just as important as everyone else. It reminds me of, in the Seattle area, we have this thing called the 12th man. If you're a Seahawks fan, we talk about the 12th man. And those are the fans, right? We, we say the reason our team is winning is because the 12th man is yelling and cheering and rooting. And everyone gets to be the 12th man. We say, yeah, we got the players. They're playing strong. But everyone gets to be a part of this game to be the 12th man. It doesn't matter who you are. We all get to cheer. We all get to yell. Everyone has a role in the game. I think Acts 2 starts this way with the 12th man or the 12th person. Acts 2, or excuse me, Acts starts in this way that they need another disciple to fulfill the 12th man. It starts right in the beginning there. And I think that's really a way for us to see what the Holy Spirit's going to do and what we're called to do. There's a position open. There's one position open. And what is required is for someone who has experienced the resurrection of Jesus. And for us, that's salvation. So what's required is that each of us have experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have you said yes to him? Do you believe that he died for your sins and rose from the grave? Have you accepted the resurrection of Jesus? And that's why, you know, people who believe in Christ but not the resurrection, it's just a different gospel. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or judge you, but it's just a different gospel. The gospel of the Bible is about a resurrection. Yet you can't be a disciple if you haven't experienced the resurrection. You can't be a Christian if you don't believe in the resurrection. The resurrection is the gospel, or it's the fulfillment of the gospel. So they made sure that there was someone who had been with Jesus from the beginning and who had experienced the resurrection. And then the next step is this. Are you willing to sit in that 12th chair? Are you willing to surrender and to be used by God and to be anointed by the Spirit? And so two men said, yeah, sure, we're willing. Put our name in that bag and you can, you can pick us. And so they 
drew lots and they picked one person. And that's the next step for each of us. You don't have to be a super spiritual person. You don't have to be a mighty man or mighty woman of God. You just have to be willing to say yes. And that's what God says to each of us. Are you willing to be the 12th man, the 12th person? Are you willing just to say, yes, I'll do it. I'll serve. I'm not, I'm not that bright. I'm not that wise. I don't understand a lot. I don't feel like I'm, you know, as spiritual, quote unquote, as other people. But I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to say yes to Jesus. That's all that's required. And your willingness to say yes and your willingness to surrender uh, will result in this, that God will fill you with his Holy Spirit and lead you, and you will be one of his disciples. That's all that's required. You know, for me, um, my life has gone through all kinds of amazing things. But I started this way. I started as a young kid who was dyslexic who struggled talking in front of groups, who really struggled speaking in front of anyone. I, I so much had a difficult time speaking in front of groups that I would shake and people would look at me. And, and I remember even kids in class kind of snickering because I, I could barely speak in front of groups. Every presentation in front of a class was a disaster. Every recital was a disaster. Piano recitals and violin recitals. I remember forgetting the music and having to stop and go get the music from my chair because I was supposed to memorize it and I couldn't memorize it and bring it back and work through it and stopping throughout it because I couldn't do it. Or doing a violin contest and my hands are shaking so much that the bow would bounce on the string and I ruined the contest where I was doing a, a duet with someone else where they played it perfectly and I had played it perfectly, but once we got into the contest, I shook so much that it, it just ruined our competition. I remember as a fourth grader trying to memorize just these few lines and to introduce a song in a school program, and I, I couldn't memorize it. I thought I'd memorized it, but I got in front of everyone, and I was so anxious that I forgot everything. And I remember crying in front of a whole room of adults as the teacher fed me word after word of what I was supposed to say because I couldn't remember my lines. Every time I stood in front of groups, I would shake and and become so nervous I couldn't remember anything I'd memorized. That's who I was. And I found myself at a place where I wanted to serve the Lord, and I wanted to preach, and I wanted to teach, but I couldn't speak in front of people. And I remember arguing with the Lord and saying, why would you put this in my heart? You know, this is me in college. I was at the University of Washington. I was getting a history degree, and I knew I wanted to be in ministry, but I couldn't speak in front of people. Even I, I was, did a presentation at the University of Washington in my Spanish class, and I made the mistake of having a prop where I, hold up the, I held up these Spanish words in my hands, and my hands were shaking so much that everyone just looked at my hands and no one looked at my face. And I was mad at the Lord and saying, why would you give me this desire to serve you, and yet I can't speak in front of people? And I remember the Lord speaking to my heart and saying, well, Doug, can you speak one-on-one? -on -one? Can you have a conversation where you're just sitting down with someone and having a conversation? And I said, well, I can do that. He said, can you do one-on-two -on where you're just, you know, talking in a restaurant, just kind of one-on-two with someone? Can you do that? I said, I can do that. And then the Lord said, well, I want you to speak to people where you're having a conversation with one-on-three or one-on-five, one-on-ten, one-on-hundred, one-on-a-thousand, and one with thousands. And so from that conversation, by faith, I just went into the ministry. Someone who couldn't speak in front of people, someone who was so anxious that every single 
every single time I tried to do something in front of groups, it was a failure. But by faith, I thought, maybe you can use me, Lord. And so when I went to seminary, while people wrote out these long sermons, I just wrote down three words and tried to have a conversation. And I'd like to say that everything went smoothly, but it didn't. I had traumatic experiences in seminary where I was so nervous and so overwhelmed that people could see me shake and they could see me, they could see the terror in my eyes. But I was willing to believe that where I'm weak, he could be strong. And even though I pleaded with the Lord to take away my weaknesses, that he could be strong where I'm weak. And that I could boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses because when I am weak, he is strong. Some of you who are listening to this right now, you're saying, I'm not the person to do this, Doug. I don't have the gifts necessary to do what God has called me to do. And God is saying, you are my 12th man. You're my 12th woman. You're my 12th person. I've called you. I want you to sit in that chair. I want you to sit in that position. I want you to go to that place that I've designated for you and to take that position. Whatever the task before you is, there's preachers listening and you're saying, I'm not a good enough pastor. You're enough. God can anoint you to be the pastor that those people need. You're leading a children's church and you're like, "I, I I I can't do this. This is too hard. God says, you're enough. Let God anoint you. Put yourself in that position. Let him anoint you. Your marriage is out of control. You're like, I can't be the the husband. I can't be the wife that my spouse needs. And God says, I can be enough. You let me anoint you. You put yourself in that position of the 12th man. I will will be what you need. I will anoint you. You be my Mateus. I can't communicate with my kids. You be my Mateus. I will anoint you. Whatever it is in front of you right now, whatever God has called you to do, or you feel completely inadequate, God will give you the strength. It's not about you being a perfect person. It's about you surrendering to the Lord. Surrender your weaknesses to the Lord. I'm in a weak place right now. I pastor this little church. have about 100 people. We go month to month. We try to make it. We'll be out of our church in a year. We're kicked out of our church. We rent it from uh, someone. We don't know where we're going after that. We don't know if we have the money to even be able to find another place. I'm doing a radio show on Fridays that I can barely afford to keep on the air. I'm just faithfully trying to follow the Lord. Every week there are times when I think I'm too weak. I can't do this. We don't have enough resources. This is impossible. And the Lord reminds me, Doug, you couldn't even speak in front of groups. But if you're willing just to say yes and to take that next faith step, I will anoint you. I will do it. I will help you. God has a faith step for you. Life is about faith steps. And right now, if you're not taking faith steps, I want to challenge you. How come? Why have you stopped? Why have you stopped giving your money for the Lord? Why have you stopped giving your time for the Lord? Why have you stopped doing difficult things for the Lord? Why have you stopped risking your security for the Lord? Maybe it's time. Because I believe there's always that 12th man position open. I believe there's always room for one more disciple 
one more apostle. And all God is asking us to do is to put our name in the hat. To say, if you want to use me, use me. If you want to send me, send me. If you want to speak through me, speak through me. I am available for your anointing. Father God, I just pray this right now, that I know there's someone listening who has been resistant to the calling that you've placed in their heart. I pray in your name that you would free them to follow, free them to surrender, free them to trust that you will be enough, that your anointing is enough to make every man and every woman amazing, that you turn ordinary people into amazing people through the powerful anointing of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Feel free to text the show, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. You can donate to keep this show on the air, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. And please pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. It's good for anyone who struggles to be in community. That's the community of God. Now make room for the Lord. Take that next step. God is for you and with you. I will see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.